God's men should never mistake the, the humbleness and the lowliness and the long suffering of God as if He's forgotten about our sin. I mean, He has forgiven us of our sin. He remembers them no more. But wait a minute, judgment begins at the house of God. You're going to die, and everything you lived for outside of the will of Christ is going to burn. Everything. A fortress is strength. A fortress is might. Not only a center of defense, but a place of strategic planning and offense. Our God does not expect us to wait for the darkness to enclose around us. He expects us to take up His banner and fight the darkness with His light. You want to know what the biggest problem with America is? The bullpens in this country. Gave in. Gave in to public pressure. Gave in to political correctness. One of the greatest curses this country has ever had to deal with is political correctness. Preparing the Christian to shine the light against the darkness of this world. Welcome to Our Mighty Fortress Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Miller, and welcome to the show. We have a fascinating subject to cover today. But first, please go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button on the podcast platform in which you're listening to us upon. We have several social media platforms with all sorts of material you can listen to and read. Check out our fan page on Facebook when you type in at Our Mighty Fortress. The page is growing more and more every day, and we'd like to see it grow more. You can follow us for more content there. You can also take a look at our website, OurMightyFortress.com. We have a host of media where you can find articles, videos, and even our merch store. If you feel so motivated to donate to the work that we do here, feel free to do so through our website and our established PayPal link. If we've helped you in some way through our work, I'd like to know. I'd like to hear about it. Please tell us at OurMightyFortress at gmail.com. By following and supporting the podcast, you let me know that you care about the subjects that we discuss. Today, I want to talk about what I call the science delusion. This is a great title that really depicts what is taking place. It's going to be an ongoing series because there is just so much information that I just cannot put in one or two podcasts. There's a lot. So much good stuff out there. The grand premise of this series is that science has lied to the general public for decades and there's so much more to this world than what's published it's going to show the blatant bias when it comes to those who publish and produce scientific media that bias does not allow truth to emerge because they're so focused on maintaining the status quo the various scientific fields used to be quite unquestionable by the public, but much has changed in the last 10 years or so. We can really give a lot of credit to the critical race theory and gender theory for this because <laughs> we see how science has shifted and demonstrated to be shaped by the culture rather than the evidence. There's also been a number of discoveries of scientists lying about their findings rather than presenting the truth. But we'll discuss more on that as the series progresses. In the first part of the series, I want to establish the foundation of why it is important to know the truth about the various scientific fields and what they've been hiding. We will get into the specifics in later parts of the series, but I want to discuss the why 
it is important and really open up your minds. I'm going to do this in a few different ways. First, I'll walk you through a little bit of my journey as this information opened up. I was also very motivated to do this because I really haven't found many from the Christian circle that have written or done any media on this tragedy of misinformation. There are a few, and I'll definitely reference their work as we progress through the series. Our second aspect we're going to look at comes from the various scientists who have differing opinions from the mainstream. There are many who we'll eventually look at, but in this podcast, we're going to take a look at one biologist named Rupert Sheldrake and his arguments against the bias of those in science. He is not a Christian, but he makes very good points that all should consider when reading and watching scientific material. He's definitely controversial, that's for sure. But one doesn't have to agree with all that somebody says to take in the valid points that they make. Keep that in mind. He's sure not the first, but I believe he is definitely the most articulate as it comes to the problems of science, and he has been shunned for it. I should note that I won't do an in-depth study in the 30-minute sessions that we have, but I do want to give you more than enough information to be able to search these subjects out for yourself if you're interested. I hope as the weeks progress in this series, you'll become more confident in your faith with God and about the biblical narrative. With that opening monologue, let's get right into this. I want to start with a little bit of my journey and its beginning with this subject. Having been in the United States Marine Corps for quite some time and worked with the intelligence field, I already understood that there were events that happen in the world that the general public doesn't know about. The scope of which a person knows these things will depend on their clearance level and their need to know. I believe the first question that I asked while serving is why this information is hidden. Especially when I became a Christian, I started questioning the logic and purpose to things our government was doing. When a person goes down this road, we realize that we trust the government way too much. We've only begun to see some of the hidden things taking place with corrupt politicians today. And there's so much to say on that matter. I will say, though, that our government's reach is not just in politics, but in science as well. Most scientists are contending with one another for funding from the government uh, or some type of other organizations uh, for their scientific endeavors. Doing experiments is often not cheap, depending upon what it is, and it's got to be paid somehow, whether through donations or some other type of government funding. When a person takes that government taxpayer money, though, there are usually stipulations on how it's used. These can be both in written and unwritten stipulations. It's easier than you think to lose funding and collapse a person's research when the well of money dries up. There's a bit of control that's implied. Science and those doing it should be unbiased and should have no co coercion in their results. This, of course, is not always the case, and we'll see that more as this series progresses. But first, what is science? If you do a simple Google search... The plain definition reads as follows, quote, 
the intellectual and practical activity encompassing the systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation and experiment, end quote. Key words, observation and experiments. That is what should be done, and that's what we expect as the general public, especially when it comes to our taxpayer money, right? The problem is, is that men are sinners, and the love of money corrupts people. A lot of times, this is influenced very much so by money. And if you want to keep that money flowing in, you had better stay aligned with the status quo. I want to paint a picture with the problem of modern science. And I want to start with the book of Romans, chapter 1, and starting in verse 20. It reads, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Talking about unbelievers before God. Verse number 21, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Now that's funny. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. It then goes on to list a various amount of sins before God. And we take a look at verse number 29. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers. And verse number 30 is what we're going to look at specifically. Backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventor of evil things, disobedient to parents. Now, I want you to note haters of God. Sometimes when I listen to someone who tries to give a defense of God with apologetics, they may say to the atheistic person, oh, you just hate God. When I heard that, I thought to myself, wow, that's a lousy way of, you know, reaching this person. And I'm really still of that opinion. But I do want to illustrate some of the truth to that statement. It is said that there are two tenets of atheism. There is no God and I hate him. Keep that in mind as we progress through this series. There have been many atheistic apologists such as Richard Dawkins, Michael Shermer, Sam Harris, and many more that have made the common point as to the honesty of science. The idea was that if there is evidence for God, the Bible, the biblical flood, or any subject pertaining to them, uh, science would have found it already. If science was done properly, then sure, one could make that argument. I will note that a person doesn't need to be religious or even hold a Judeo-Christian worldview to do science, but a person's worldview does represent how they present the science. This is important. It is my belief that the Christian worldview is the closest to what represents the origin and complexity of the universe. The funny thing about 
the entire thing is that Christian morality is implied upon the scientist, <laughs> even though they deny the very origin of that morality. Is It was one apologist who said that there was a need for God for the basis of morality. He said that materialism may be used by a scientist to produce results, but materialism, which is the basis for atheism, cannot provide the answer as to why he should be honest about those results. <laughs> Think about that for a moment. Is that really so hard to believe? We recently, just in the last two years, or probably in the last four years, have seen top government officials for the FBI, CIA, you know, just abusing their powers and furthering corruption. Is it really that hard to believe that an agency filled with sinful men can be that corrupt? Any organization even? Sure it can. Now, does that mean that the entire agency or organization is corrupt? No, not necessarily. The same goes for the, say, the general scientist. He or she may want to follow the right standard of scientific practices and get their results published in an honest manner. But many times the problem lies with the publishing organizations and their picking and choosing of what aligns with their narrative. If a scientist's findings are legit, but don't match a particular narrative, they are dismissed or forced to be published in a lesser-known journal. Morally speaking, we do place way too much confidence in people who literally owe us nothing about telling the truth. Again, does worldview matter when it comes to science? It does. There are those who can just wave you off as being just a conspiracy theorist for saying that there is a narrative being protected. But I just simply respond, remember when the government used to call you a tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist about UFOs? And then they released a report this year about them tracking UFOs and military aircraft. <laughs> Even before this report, I remember there was a there was an article uh, with a, a video attached from the Raytheon Corporation and how one of the new sensors on the F-18 had accidentally tracked a unidentified flying object flying close to the aircraft, moving at unbelievable speeds, faster than what an aircraft should be able to move. And so they wrote an article about this. It was kind of funny. And now the government actually comes out and says, hey, we have been tracking UFOs, but hey, that's another, that's another topic for another time. But remember, you were just a conspiracy theorist if you talked about that, right? You're just crazy because, hey, look, we just got to trust the government. And that also goes for those being paid by the government. Remember, it's about the cash flow, about money. Don't want that well to dry up, you know? Currently, there are several Christian organizations such as Answers in Genesis, Institute of Creation Research, Creation Research, and similar scientific ministries that have done a great job in doing real science and pointing out the fundamental errors of materialism and the bias including, by the way. But we'll deal more on materialism later. The work of these organizations, despite the outstanding academic credentials of the scientists involved, are just waved off because the atheists cannot possibly take the creationists seriously. They aren't materialistic, so they're just denied. Wait, is the science real, or does it just not fit a worldview? 
while we do have these great Christian scientific research organizations and their resources, I wanted to demonstrate from Secular Sciences' own backyard that their own hands are dirty when it comes to hiding truth about their discoveries. Many of these are shown from people or an organization that aren't particularly religiously affiliated, but are pointing out the lies about the protection of a narrative. It is also important to call out those who say that science is an honest system, and we got to hold their feet to the fire. Many unbelievers that we may contend with on a daily basis on any given moment, they're just merely parrots of some type of atheist apologist or a documentary that they watch, maybe a book that they may have read, or even the university professors and whose classes they attended. That happens a lot. Helping people see the error in their thinking will help them get down to the irreducible minimum to what is holding them from God. The smallest thing, just rip away all the vanity, rip away all the arguments and get down to the irreducible minimum of what is holding them back from believing in God. I want you to do what the scripture says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21. It says, quote, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. End quote. This basically means to test everything to see if it's true or not. Now, let's look at some issues with mainstream science and how it's been slanted. In 2012, there was a book called The Science Delusion, in which this podcast is named after, somewhat. It was published by Rupert Sheldrake. This Cambridge biologist used this play on words off of Richard Dawkins' book, The God Delusion. Now, I actually read Dawkins' book, and I found it a complete waste of my time because in the true Dawkins manner, it's filled with non-sequiturs and you're-too-stupid-for-believing-in-God propaganda instead of actually providing arguments. There are others who have played off of this title in response to Dawkins, like The Dawkins Delusion or The Devil's Delusion. I'll have to address David Berlinski's book, The Devil's Delusion, in another podcast because it's absolutely fascinating considering that he's a secular Jew, doesn't even really believe in God. In Sheldrake's book, The Science Delusion, he points out that there are many dogmas of science that aren't exactly legitimate. Among many things, he demonstrates the hypocrisy of those who claim the universe is materialistic and nothing else. In his introduction to the book, Sheldrake states that, quote, The biggest scientific delusion of all is that science already knows the answers. The details still need working out, but in principle, the fundamental questions are settled. Contemporary science is based on the claim that all reality is material or physical. There is no reality, but material reality. Consciousness is a byproduct of physical activity of the brain. Matter is unconscious. Evolution is purposeless. God exists only as an idea in human minds and hence in human heads. These beliefs are powerful, not because most scientists think about them critically, but because they don't. The facts of science are real enough. So are the techniques that scientists use and the technologies based on them. But the belief systems that govern the conventional scientific thinking is an act of faith, grounded in a 19th century ideology. End quote. 
Now, that's a very powerful statement, really summing up his work. And he goes into much more detail. And the book is pretty good. I have some issues with the last part of it. But for the most part, he points out some pretty good questions when it comes to some of the mainstream dogmas presented in science. He did a TED Talk based off of his book, and the atheistic community got in a major uproar. It was so bad that the director of the TED organization had the video taken down off of their site. What evidence was given for this scientific heresy? None. Besides telling the dirty secrets to the public that the secularists didn't want you to know about. Remember, it's about a worldview and not real science. You aren't supposed to question the scientific dogmas, remember? What were some of these supposed heresies? The first he mentions is if nature is mechanical. Are we just machines? Or is there something more to us? Mechanical engineering cannot explain human thought processes like thought. Humanity is more than just being a deterministic computer as a result of biology. Humanity was created in the imago Deo or image of God. That's what the scriptures tells us. Another scientific dogma that he goes over and that he questions is if the total amount of the matter and energy in the universe is always the same. The first law of thermodynamics, matter and energy cannot be created or destroyed, seems to be a law of physics that governs the universe, or does it? While this is highly complicated and get kind of lengthy, the idea is that there has to be more matter or energy if the universe is expanding, so they come up with this dark matter or dark energy, this mystical force that can't be explained, but we just know it's there. The problem with this is really summed up by asking the astrophysicist, where is all the dark energy and dark matter coming from if you can't violate the first law of thermodynamics? Hmm. The next issue goes along with the previous question and that if the laws of nature are truly fixed, there's evidence that the speed of light is slowing down, which means it used to be faster. Now, this was actually discovered by a creation scientist first before secularists, you know, kind of stole from his work, which is seriously wrong. But the fact remains that this throws a serious wrench in many models of the universe put forth by secularists. This is not a problem for those who believe in our almighty God, but that is forbidden, of course. It is fascinating to think that when we look up at the night sky, we're actually looking at old light. So a star that is shining its light to you here on Earth, you're actually looking at old light. So if you get a telescope and you look at that star, you're actually looking at what it used to be however long ago because light travels at approximately 300,000 meters per second. And given that it takes time for that light to actually reach from where it's at to where you're at here on Earth, there has to be a time lapse there. And so you may be looking at, say, a supernova of a star blowing up. But in reality, that was supposed to be a long time ago because that light had traveled a certain amount of distance. And so 
that star and energy is no longer there if you actually go to the point of where it's at because the light that you're looking at is old. Now, I know that gets to be kind of complicated, but it is rather fascinating. God created the universe as is, and so you're not really looking at old anything. But that's beside the fact that they're actually demonstrating that light used to be faster. Now, that really, really messes up a lot of mathematical equations. But like I said previously, it's not a problem for those who believe in the Judeo-Christian God. There's also evidence that big G, or gravity, is fluctuating up and down, and that it's not a constant. Once again, that also throws a wrench in some of these mathematical models. The last two I'll just briefly note from Sheldrake's work, though we could develop hours on these subjects. The first is if matter is really unconscious. I'll develop this further in another part of the series because it really needs a lot of time and it's very valuable to those of us who are Christians. Here is a secret, though, that's not spoken out loud by many scientists, and that is answering such a question seriously is forbidden in science. Trying to explain consciousness, according to a well-known philosopher, John Cyril, will get you to lose your tenure at a university. Basically, he's saying that if you go down that road, you're in danger of losing your job. <laughs> Why? Because of the implications. There's so much to say on this one, but simply put, we are given the Hebrew word nefesh, or the breath of life, as stated in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. This is why we are conscious, and secular science cannot figure that out. The last one we're going to cover is if mechanistic medicine is the only kind that really works. We're so used to the pharmaceutical industry and the mechanistic pill it has produced in its various forms. In our Western world, we have forgotten much of the ancient knowledge in how to deal with many sicknesses and ailments. Sure, there are lots of things that are out there that was tried in history that's absolutely terrible. But man, ancient man has produced some pretty insane civilizations to include medical marvels like brain surgery in, in some of these ancient empires and, and whatever not. Sure, there are lots of things that were tried that were terrible, but I'll tell you what, that's not half as bad as many of the pills that you can take today for many things that have all sorts of nasty side effects that will either kill you or leave you crippled for life. And that is a fact. There's a lot of money in being sick. Just think about that. It is our intellectual arrogance that makes us think that, oh, we're so civilized and so advanced. But, you know, we're not really that much different from ancient man. Ancient man was quite knowledgeable and able to build wonders without all that modern technology. It's just intellectual arrogance. More on that on later podcasts, though. On the subject of medicine, I can think of two particular individuals off the top of my head that were examples of this in dealing with third-degree burns. One who suffered the burns here in America and had Western medicine, and the other is from Asia and saw an Eastern doctor who used natural remedies. Both 
suffered very severe half to full body burns. But which do you think suffers from the scars of such burns today? With the use of anaconda snakes fat and a few other things, the Eastern doctor used this along with not eating certain foods to fully recover his patient without any scarring. Unfortunately, the other person suffers from those scars even today. Why isn't something like that taken seriously in the realm of Western science? It's something for us to think about for sure. To wrap this up, the moral of this story about scientific dogmas is do not question it or you'll be silenced. As this series progresses, we'll see those who intentionally distort their findings to produce a particular result. But even if you do honest work, don't question or contradict the dogmas or you're just going to be put off on a shelf somewhere and all that hard work that you have done will never get seen. Even if it's an honest job, an honest work, it truly is sad that our civilization has degraded to this point all because we hate God. I really hope that this first podcast in this series has provided you a foundation that opens your minds and really builds your faith. As we progress, we're going to truly see the glory of God and the veracity of the Christian scriptures. You can have faith that God is real and gave us the story of the origin of the universe and his relationship with us found in the Bible. I want to thank you for listening. And be sure to follow us on the podcast media. And please take a look at our website, ourmightyfortress.com, and subscribe for more updates. Stay tuned next time for more great content. And remember to find your refuge and strength in our mighty fortress.